The van crept down Mountain Terrace Lane at a jogger's pace. Stolen from a central lot just hours before, it wore the legitimate markings of the Fairfax County Gas Company, a regular enough sight on these roads even on a Saturday night. No one would miss it until Monday, and by then the people of Alexandria, Virginia would have other things on their minds. You're going too slow. The big man in the passenger seat told the van's female driver, fingering the green cap that rested in his lap. Take a right past the house and circle round the block. The driver felt her toes twitch involuntarily as she pressed the accelerator downward. The temptation to jam it all the way to the floor and flee rose in her again, suppressed because the move bore all the logic of a mouse sacrificing its neck for a nibble of cheese. She considered several other strategies, chose none, stilled her toes, but was helpless against the rhythmic chattering of her teeth. The van edged past a white house with fronting pillars and rock music blaring from its backyard. She felt the big man's eyes digest the scene. How many guards? She asked, sweeping the wheel to the right, reconciled to their task. Four, just as we suspected. Two with shotguns, two with sidearms. Cake. He pushed his blonde hair under his ears and tucked the green cap over it, with the plastic visor tilted low over his forehead. Two quick raps on the partition behind him signaled the four men in the van's rear to ready themselves as well. The driver swung back onto Mountain Terrace Lane. Let's go, the big man instructed. He lifted the Kalishnikov assault rifle casually from the floor. It was a magnificent weapon, capable of tearing one man apart or spraying a dozen others with automatic fire. The thought made the big man shudder. His mouth was dry, but a familiar taste filled it. Chalky and hot. Pleasant. He watched the van's high beams bite into the night, chewing the darkness and spitting it from their path. Inside the large White House, Alexander Levine stood anxiously by the window of his second-floor study, which overlooked the backyard. Below, friends of his son clustered in groups of varying sizes, the boys at this point conspicuously apart from the girls. Music from a rented stereo system was blasting. Two men in white jackets were at work on the refreshment table. Levine tried to pick his son Jason out of the crowd, failed, and became more anxious. This was the day of his son's bar mitzvah, a day that should have seen him relaxed, proud, in a celebratory mood. It had started that way all right, but one manila envelope delivered to his door had changed everything, and now he wished he hadn't let his son talk him into this party. At the age of fifty, though, he found himself giving in more and more to Jason's whims and desires. He was too old to be the father he desperately wanted to be, and young enough to know it. So he compensated by spoiling the boy, aware always of his own shortcomings and hoping Jason wasn't aware of them as well. Levine dabbed at his brow with his jacket sleeve and gazed over the backyard scene, forty boys and girls, none over fourteen, having traded the suits and dresses of the morning for corduroys or jeans topped by sweaters or light jackets. Children at the magical crossroads of life when concerns amounted to little and cares to even less. How Levine envied them. He glanced at the manila envelope atop his desk, a message from the doctor. The isosceles project. He had to stop it. The future was at stake his own, Jason's, everyone's. His fears were quelled a bit as he watched one of the guards mingling with the kids. There were four of them in all, wearing the uniforms of a non-existent agency. In fact, they were expertly trained combat soldiers. A knock came on the study door. Come in, Levine said, forcing his eyes from the window. His wife Susan, fifteen years his junior in age and ten younger than that in appearance, entered. Going downstairs, Al? Levine moved toward her and forced a smile. I thought I might leave the kids to themselves, Sue. I don't want to embarrass Jace by hanging around. 
What makes you think you'd embarrass him? At the age of thirteen, all parents are embarrassments. She moved forward and held him. They grow up so fast. Yes. You're trembling. Am I? What's wrong? It's been a long day. That's all? Levine sighed, his eyes darting from the manila envelope to the window and back again. That's all. The big man peered through the scope attached to his Kalishnikov. One of the four guards was captured between the crosshairs, escaped, and then was captured again. The fact that the van was moving provided but a minor inconvenience. He pawed the trigger, held the target with his eyes, and pulled. The silenced barrel uttered a soft spit. The guard collapsed, a bullet neatly impacted in his brain. Another guard emerged from the side of the spacious yard drenched in floodlights. The big man squeezed the trigger again only when the second guard had entered a sphere of moderate darkness. The van pulled to a halt. He rapped on the partition. Go. Go.